0: We have a call to worship. God calls us and he calls the world to bow before him. We have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let us bow our hearts and heads in a of preparation for worship. We sing and read this psalm, Lord. We are reminded how you make all the nations and they shall come and bow before you, Lord. We are thankful and grateful that we can come and bow now, Lord, before it is too late, with willing hearts and desire us, Lord, to magnify your name, to be with your saints, God, and seek more blessing by your grace alone, we pray. Be with us today, we pray, as you taught us in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. It's not to the temptation, deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom, power, glory forever. Amen. We have Psalm 11, the responsive reading. In the Lord put my trust, how can you say to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? If The foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord tests the righteous, but the wicked and the one who loves violence, his soul hates. For the Lord is righteous, he loves righteousness, his countenance beholds the upright. So we read here of a man, David, and ourselves, as we know, seeking for trust in God, that he's got nowhere to go. If the foundations of his fortress or his mountain fall apart, he's got nowhere to go except God, and that's all he needs is God. And the wicked, as we see here, bend their bow, that is, they use their implements of destruction or power, whatever that may be, for wicked ends, obviously. In this case, to kill him, to kill the leader of God's people in the Old Testament, by extension, of course, to come after God's people, themselves once the defender is taken out and they do it secretly you see this uh, as a recurring theme testament that the wicked hate god's people and the hatred is expressed often wickedly they may be smiling they may be nice which are fine uh, but they have as we say evil machinations plans god shall be victorious and that's why we can always go to our lord and savior and we shall go to him now in prayer of god's covenant community let us pray we do come before you, God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, glorious, Almighty, in love and compassion. Your law, Lord, and the covenant that you have made with us through Christ Jesus. You expressed your love and your will through the covenant of mercy, the covenant of grace. we thank thankful, Lord, for that. And that covenant, God, is not a covenant of license to sin, but also a covenant that encapsulates the moral law of God. It is not a recapitulation of the covenant of works, God, but a new covenant. Covenant based upon the person and work of Jesus Christ and His blood alone for His people to justify them by the work of Jesus Christ and not their own works, Lord. Declare them righteous. To sanctify them, Lord, with Your truth. Word is truth, and sanctification includes, as we know, the law of God. Or it directs us unto purity. It protects us from wickedness, Lord. It's a perfection of Your moral personhood. We pray, God, and thank You for that law, for that law written on our hearts, renewed in our hearts, as promised of old. Thankful, God. For that law even as it directs us towards our own sin part of the reason why lord we love your law we love you god for it reminds us points to us uh, the continuous struggle that we have in our sanctification fighting against the world the flesh and the devil fighting god against sin violation of your law thought word and deed help us god to overcome such things to grow in holiness to be more like jesus be faithful to your word god even when we feel inadequate we certainly see our sins May we be encouraged to know that you are faithful and just to forgive us all our righteousness and we come cling to the cross every day, every moment of every hour, God. Jesus Christ, His grace and His mercy and His blood shed for us. Pray for our families, God, that we continue to love one another, continue to do our duties and responsibilities towards one another, for the wives to submit to the husbands, for the husbands, Lord, uh, to lead and protect family, for the children to obey their parents, to love them, and to prepare themselves to be good citizens of this world, and especially good citizens of the kingdom of God. And, Lord, prepare themselves to take care of their parents when they're of age, firm and disabled in various and sensory ways. We ask, God, to strengthen our families, to strengthen our couples, to strengthen the singles among us, God, to help them find godly spouses, Lord, to protect them from temptation of this world, which looks down upon your law, which mocks Christians for being holy and pure and desiring to do the right thing. Help them, Lord, help the couples as well and firm. To one another, they and we and all of us, Lord, would encourage one another unto holiness and to our duties and responsibilities within our relationships of our family, Lord, and within our relationship of our church here amongst each, amongst each other. We pray in particular, God, for our church, for our witness to the world, for our outreach to unbelievers, for our love for one another and the growth of the fruits of the Spirit, Lord, and patience and long suffering and joy, for obedience to your word, God, for helps. Thankful, God, that we have these things, although an imperfect measure to be sure. We continue to do such, God, and to help those and to be friendly towards uh, visitors and the light, God, to be with them when the times of questions and need and to especially be with one another, Lord, trouble financially and otherwise. Pray for our spiritual growth to be, again, Lord, renewed in the image of Son, renewed in the image of God, fallen through sin. Read our Bibles to meditate upon your word, to understand what it means for our lives. For prayer, God, to cry out to you for help, to cry out to you, Lord, for mercy to pray before you and to give thanksgiving of our heart, Lord, for the many blessings you've bestowed upon us. Lord, we pray for continued fellowship with one another, with one another, to encourage one another. Uh, Lord, point to the Word of God. Have times refreshing, especially on the Lord's Day. We thank for such opportunities, Lord, and that would continue to multiply. So we pray to that end, God, for the upcoming picnic with our sister churches, the OPC, Lord, that be prove fruitful to help your church, to help multiply fellowship of the, saint, of the saints, God. We pray for these things for your glorious name. Amen. And God above, these tithes and offerings may be offered with all of our hearts, Lord, knowing that they are but a part of the whole, Lord, and that we are to give all that we are. You use these parts, God, that is the financial part, Lord, for the betterment of your church and expansion of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. In your name alone we pray. Amen. We have the reading of the Ten Commandments. Good to read the Word of God, especially the portions to remind us of our duty before Him and to each other. Ten Commandments are inside the uh, Trinity Hymnal, the Burgundy book here. Green sheet for now. We have the Ten Commandments. Let us read it together. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself any carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. shall not bow down to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless Here are also the words of our Lord Jesus, how he says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself on these two commandments, in all the law and the prophets. Let us turn to Matthew, Matthew chapter 22, 37 to 40. I'm going through the basics of the Christian faith, although it's not all the basics in one sense, this is an overview. We have a lot more basics in the Westminster Confession of Faith. By basics, we mean that which we should believe. Uh, We should not approach the Bible with the idea, well, I don't have to believe that. I should believe this. Uh, And so when we come to talk about believing the fundamentals, it was a big debate 120 years ago. That had the historical context of them trying to reach across the aisle, across different denominations, and fight the liberals, which has its place, but that should not mean we stop believing everything that we believe. fellow believers, uh, but to the extent we believe something's in the Word of God, it is no longer basic in that sense, it seems to me, and we ought to believe. And so here, I'm going over the law, I went over the Bible, or the Trinity, God, I went over man, how he is a sinner, and here we go over the law of God. Let us listen attentively to the Word of God, Matthew 22, verses 30, 37, 40. And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law, prophets. Let us pray. Gracious God above, as we read in these words, and Jesus answering lawyers, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Tells them to love God. See, Lord, Jesus did not undermine the law, but subsumed it under the greater goal and call of loving the Lord our God. Love Him, Lord, as we know elsewhere in the Word of God from the words of Christ Himself. If you love me, keep my Commandments. So, God, we see what the law is that it commands our duty to you, even as it condemns man because man is a sinner. In your name we pray. Amen. What is the law? What is the purpose of the law? Who is the law for? These are important questions in the church and have always been important questions for us. In America, they are answered in different ways, as we know. Some will say, Away with the law. We need nothing of the law. Others will pile law after law upon us until they try to remake earth into the image of heaven. And Still others deny any objective law exists at all, biological laws. But today's sermon is about the moral law, what is right and what is wrong, what we should do and what we should not do. The moral law is God's law, and the law of God is man's commanded duty as well as man's condemnation. In other words, the law tells us what we should do and not do, and it also condemns us, declares us guilty, for not doing what we should do, and for doing what we should not do. Two great ways of describing the law in this sermon. As the prior sermon proved, man is a sinner. But that means nothing if there's not a law to declare that he is a sinner, if there's not something that tells us this is wrong, this is right, this is a sinner, and this is a righteous person. And that's the law of God. They have broken the law, ignored God's commands, and continue to do their own thing in their own way every day. Let us see the law of God as that which commands and condemns it commands mankind is the first point God's command for mankind is his holy will his holy will is in the word of God specifically the law of God the duty commanded by God in particular it's made by God it's directed by God and given to us as an expression of God it is not a willy nilly law Romans 2:14 we read for when Gentiles who do not have the law means the moral law of Moses that the Jews had that's the context he's writing to his fellow believers, many of whom were Jews at the time. We know lots of converts in the book of Acts were Jews. Thousands of Jews here, thousands of Jews there. When the Gentiles, the non-Jews, who do not have the law, they don't have the book of Moses, they don't have the Old Testament, they don't have the Torah, by nature do the things in the law and yet they still know what murder is and they don't want to be murdered and they don't want you murdering someone close to them. They don't want you lying to them. They don't want you cheating them. They may cheat others. They do the law even though they don't have the Moral law written in Mosaic code, is his point here. These, that is the Gentiles, although not having the law, so he repeats himself, are law to themselves, a law to themselves in the sense of what? By nature do the things of the law, that's what he means. Who show the work of the law written on their hearts. So he's saying it again in a different way. The law of God, given to Moses, given to the Jews, the Old Testament church, It's still there for the Gentiles. They can't escape it. They can't say, I'm a Jew, I'm a Gentile, excuse me, I'm not a Jew, so I don't have to follow the law of God. No, it's on their hearts, and they're doing it. That is, they're being guided by it. You you see that especially. That's why I pointed that out. Someone runs around, you know the old joke, Morality's relevant. There's no absolute standard. You punch the guy and you take his money. He's not going to like that, is he? Of course not, because he knows. He knows there is a law, an absolute law, written on his heart, written on their hearts. Their conscience also bearing witness. Bearing witness to what? The law of God, even though they don't have the law of Moses, the Old Testament, written down, they still have the law of God in their hearts. Between themselves, their thoughts, accusing or else excusing them. They accuse one another, or accuse themselves, they feel guilty. Why? Because there is a law. And they excuse themselves again. Why? Because there is a law. They, they want to get around the law somehow in their hearts. Say, Why, what I'm doing here when I'm cheating my neighbor is the exception. Otherwise, I wouldn't want cheating to go on. That's what you t- almost always see, isn't it? Society, your neighbor, perhaps yourself at times, you, make the, you carve your, yourself an exception. And so we see here then that the duty of the law, the duty from God, is not something vague, but clearly written on the hearts of men, even unbelieving men. You know nothing of Moses, of the Old Testament uh, church, uh, anything, or even today of the New Testament church there it's made by god it's directed by god it's built in it's caked in as we say into creation itself and the fall has not eradicated it as a moral reality upon the human race the fall doesn't mean well i can sin more no it means you're more guilty that's what it means the opposite and it's reiterated as we know historically in mount sinai the ten commandments were not de novo out of nothing at the time, but were already written in the men's hearts, and already known in the church as such, you see the guilt and the righteousness of the church fathers before Moses, respect to the various commandments. No, they weren't given the law of Moses. So the law of Moses, the Ten Commandments, is not something new, but something clearer for God's people. And it's reaffirmed in the New Testament. The law of God, the command of God for humanity. Again, Romans 2.14 is very clear about that. It's everyone, not just that is the Christians of the Jewish church, but everyone reiterated in the Ten Commandments of Mount Sinai is again affirmed or reaffirmed in the New Testament, and of course, assumed. That's why in my text we read in Matthew 22, you also love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And on these two commandments hang all the law, prophets, thing there in the Old Testament hangs off of those and is subsumed under those two heads, loving of God and loving of our neighbor. We have an explicit list here in Romans twelve eight. 12, 8. For the commandments, Paul writes, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. Where do you come up with that stuff? The Ten Commandments, right? Exodus, Deuteronomy, and echoed elsewhere in the Old Testament. And if there is any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. See that? Love does no harm, verse 10, to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. That is, love, law, contrary. But if you love somebody, you will keep the commandments toward them. Kill them, steal from them, you will not lie to them or about them. That's the way it's supposed to be. And so in Matthew 22, as I mentioned prior to this, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? He was asked, one of them, a lawyer, testing him to see if they can't chip him up make him look foolish. Jesus, of course, always makes them look foolish. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And yet we have in the Ten Commandments those very words not mentioned at all because the Ten Commandments were just a summary of the law of God. Here, Christ is giving a summary of a summary of this law. And that summary of the summary is to love God and to love your neighbor. Paul echoes in Romans 12, 8-10. You love me, keep my commandments, Christ said, to go hand-hand hand. And all these commandments, as Paul says, is summed up. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And of course, the first table of the law, one God. You shall only worship in His way. You shall honor Him and honor His day to love the Lord. People like to hear, at least in many, my experience in the churches, like to hear about love, right? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is great. I love God. And it's usually an emotional thing. I feel close to God. I play some music. It gets me in the mood. And I, I feel like I really love him. That's what love is, a feeling. We know that all the songs in America, it seems like, are about love. When they are about love, it's always about feelings. Feelings are good, and feelings have their place. But that's not what Christ is talking about here. That's not what Paul's talking about here. He's saying the Ten Commandments of love have a link. Love is the motivation of why you do not kill your neighbor, and why you don't lie against your wife, and why you don't beat up your children. At least it should be the motivation, and I think it is for Christians. But love without law is license see that over and over again in society, as we know. I can give you lots of examples and lots of politicians. Even in the church, the people who sin in the name of love and lie and steal and cheat. Love, no, love is expressed through obedience to God's law. To do this and do that, although people don't want to hear it, that's what law of God is. And that's what commands us. That's his whole holy moral will for us. And that includes love. Christ said, I'll repeat it again, you love me, keep my commandments. It's as simple as that. And if you love your spouse and if you love your church, you will keep God's commandments towards them. The depth of the law we see in that language of Christ. Love as a motivation. Do men love as they odds? Love as an action. Do men display love as they odds? How do we know? Because God tells us what love should look like. It should look like not killing people. It should look like doing good to your family. It is a duty to man. It is a duty to God In Matthew nineteen sixteen we read, Now behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what good thing should I do that I may have eternal life? Matthew nineteen sixteen. And so he said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. But if you want to enter into life the commandments, he said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor. As yourself. So we see there in that list, who, that young man, Jesus gives the summary of the law. You should love your neighbor. He gives some specific details. Don't do this, that, but also he summed it up in love your neighbor. So this is the second table of the law. That is the last six commandments, five through ten. Love your neighbor as yourself. And we know to get to the second point, the law condemns man. Commands man, but it condemns man. Here in Matthew 19, the same text, asked, what shall I do to inherit life? And Jesus said, obey the law. Why did he say that? Jesus says to him verse 21, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor, and you shall have treasures in heaven. Come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. The implication, of course, being the young man came and he even says... From these, from youth, I have fulfilled these things since I was a child. But instead of challenging that lie, Jesus went to the greater commandments and told him, follow me by giving up all that you have for your neighbor because you're supposed to love your neighbor, he says. And he would not do it. The rich young ruler strived to fulfill the second table of the law but would not strive to fulfill the first table of the law. To love God, he said, if you want to be perfect, sell what you have and follow me. To follow Jesus means to love him more than anyone else. It doesn't just mean physically stopping and walking. Oh, there he is. It's a metaphor for giving up all that you have. And Jesus, as only Jesus can, told him, knew his heart, coveting. Telling you, give up your coveting, follow me. And he would not do it. Not submit to Jesus. Would not repent of his sins and follow him. Jesus was pushing the law upon him to condemn him, to bring him guilt. And he walked away sad. He did not walk away repentant, tells us. He did not listen to the law and repent. That was the point there. I know the Roman Catholic Church we heard about in Sunday school class would use such a text, at least any of their defenders, to say, see, you have to obey the law enough to get to heaven. wasn't the point of that text. It was to bring condemnation to the rich young ruler who claimed he obeyed the law enough Went away sad because he had great possessions. The duty to God is the greatest commandment. Follow Jesus. Broken all the time. Men and women are to love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, and yet they love the praises of men, their money, their possessions, the God of their belly, their desires, of whatever they may be. Let us use the law of God as Christ does to see how much men love God, or rather don't love God, and how little they love their neighbor. The first commandment, thou shalt have no other gods before me. And yet we have people who do not know as the God of the Bible, as someone mentioned during prayer time, yes, I have a friend and. They acknowledge a God, but not the Christian God. It's just some God out there, some vague idea, I guess it makes him feel holy and, and good that someone's watching over him, but it's not the God of the Bible, and he will not submit to him. That is a violation of that. Atheists violate the first commandment, obviously, because they said there are no gods, and that's a lie too. There's but one God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The second commandment, thou shalt not make unto thee any grieving image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. People worship false gods, worship that God falsely, make up their own desires to worship him. Muslims, devil witnesses, all kinds of people everywhere. Spirituality is alive and well in America, brothers and sisters. Atheism is still a super minority, but they won't submit to the God of the Bible. I'll remind you again, in Romans 1.18, it tells us what? The wrath of God is revealed from heaven, that men know that there is a God, and he suppress the truth in unrighteousness. It's a violation of the first commandment and the second commandment. And the third commandment, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. How many people readily use the Lord's name flippantly, cursing one another, cursing God? They violate the first three commandments most readily. And of course, the fourth commandment, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. They honor other gods. Football day, God's day, called holy days instead of God's day. Four commandments are violated by people all the time. Wanna follow? god they don't want to follow jesus like the rich young ruler did not want to follow duty to man that's the last six commandments it seems easy for most people love your parent love your friends love the stranger so they give their parents presents they say nice things to their friends and they offer free food to the homeless but our presence and empty words and free food is the same as loving one's neighbor in its fullest sense cannot people do nice things with an angry heart or a heart of pride and a heart of deception for their own glory? Of course we can. We know people do things externally, but internally they are full of anger and wrath and lusting or whatever other sin. It's not just the presence, the nice words, and the free food. God's word goes deeper than that, as we saw with the rich young ruler when he told them, Christ can tell a single person to his face, give it all up and follow me. We read here in this checklist, I'll go through, James 2.10, For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, He is guilty of all. And although I would argue the unbeliever fails at all Ten Commandments, James is arguing if you just fail at one, you've lost it all. It's all of a piece. Because when it comes to moral perfection, God will accept nothing less than 100%. Not 99% like we heard in Sunday school class, but 100%. Fifth Commandment, honor thy father and thy mother. Has any man or woman ever dishonored their parents? Ever disobeyed them? Once in their life? Mumbled under their breath? Is that honoring their parents? That they have sinned. They violated God's law. They need to hear that. They need to repent and cry out to Jesus. The sixth commandment, thou shalt not kill. Has anyone ever been angry towards another or harbored hatred, even if only for a moment, against their neighbor, against their sibling, brother or sister? And they have violated the sixth commandment. The seventh commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery. Are not movies and TV shows full of fornication and adultery? Do not all the people who watch them keep their hearts pure from lust? Probably not. Guarantee it. Quite the opposite. It incites it. Enrages it. Eighth commandment. Thou shalt not steal. How many people cheat on taxes? How many corporations? People lust in their hearts for things that are not theirs. Ninth commandment. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. How many Americans love to read gossip magazines? How many of them would like to be on the other end of that? I'm not sure, but they bear false witness and lie. They lie about the church. List over and over again. Last several years, going in overdrive. The tenth commandment. Thou shalt not covet. All that young ruler. Jesus got to the heart of the matter. He had not been obeying parts of law. He'd been making excuses and not acknowledging his sin, and Jesus put his finger on it. How many Americans covet other people's money? How many covet their own money? They want more of it. They are lusting after it, turning wealth into the end life, the goal of life. Every one of these commandments are violated every day in America, and they are violations of God's holy, upright law. They do it in thought, they do it in word, and they do it in deed. Different degrees at different times to be sure, but it's done. The world needs to understand the law of God. It is His holy will for humanity. They know it in their hearts. It's there in the Bible. to affirm the New New Testament. It's assumed as well. It is God's command for humanity and it's God's nation of humanity. Everyone is condemned, whether the law is seen through the eyes of love or just the list of the Ten Commandments. Everyone violates God's law. Since God is judge, He finds everyone guilty. Holy, just judge who sees the hearts of men that we do not see. He knows the secret thoughts of everyone. Romans 3.19, where we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty for God. Simple as that, brothers and sisters. This is the law of God. It's His holy will. It's His command. But it's also that which condemns us and finds us guilty. Without Jesus Christ, everyone is guilty before His law. And they know it. Go through the Ten Commandments very clearly. I just gave you a sample. You go to the larger catechism. Very in-depth there. of sins. You go through it and go, wow, yeah, that, that's everywhere. This is oh, that's there too. I've seen that. Of course, you see it in your own hearts as a Christian. The sermon isn't here uh, to beat you up, but to remind you again of God's holy law and how it's used across humanity. So that the churches, and you pray for the churches and pray for the pastors, that they would preach the law of God to bring conviction upon hearts. Christ did it to the rich young ruler. Paul does it in his exhortations as well. Everyone. Brothers and sisters, young and old is condemned by God's law, for they fall short of God's glory, of his glorious law. And thought, word, and deed. Everyone across time, across space, the great David, Elijah, Paul himself was a sinner. He testifies to that fact in Romans 7. And we all sin, except one. There is one who did not succumb to sin. There is one who took the law and stared it straight in the face. I will obey it. Thought and word and in deed. And he did. That one person, Jesus Christ, and that is good news, brothers and sisters. You understand the bad news, the good news is all the more sweeter. When you understand the depravity of man is violations of God's holy law, the last six we always see and think about. it's obvious. we know about abortions. We know about corrupt politicians and corrupt pharmaceutical companies making money off of drug addicts. forget especially the first table of the law. I, the God of the Bible they curse his name, they hate his works, and they hate his day. They are all condemned except one, Jesus Christ, the perfect one, the just one, the righteous one. He perfectly obeyed the Ten Commandments with a perfect love and motivation and in action. He did it for his people. He did it for you. Praise be his name. Let us pray for ourselves, brothers and sisters. Let us pray for our churches. Let us pray for those who do not feel the pain of guilt and sin in their lives when they should. Who will not repent and follow Jesus Christ. Pray, brothers and sisters, that they would hear the law of God. The church would preach the law of God for conviction and always preach the gospel so they would know where to go. Flee from sin, to flee from hell, to flee from Satan and embrace Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Thank you, God, for your law, for our points to your holy will, as we will see in another sermon, for the Christian life, to be sure. But here, as it highlights, those who are outside of Christ, their need of a Savior and how they are justly condemned by your law and are on their way to hell. Pray for them, God, and ask that they would listen to the word, unlike the rich young ruler, and understand, God, the law, and submit to Jesus Christ, and cry out repentance deliverance. We pray these things in your name alone. Amen. the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be upon you all.